hour of the program. Randy Tobler with you. Zach Factor in for Leah Amstead uh, producing this morning. It's always a pleasure to talk to our good friend from Missouri's 107th Congressional District, Nick Schroer. You know him here from Newstalk STL. And now running for uh, Senate District 2 in this state. How you doing, Nick? Welcome to the program. Thanks for calling in this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. You guys are having an amazing show so far. Just glad to be a part of it. So I have to tell you, I was getting the biggest kick out of reading <laughs> some reporting from the Kansas City Star. I'm sure you uh, you saw this. This is in the news section. Uh, it's not in the commentary section. And as you know, Nick, uh, the left wing news media can't separate editorialism from their journalism. The lead is with a new crop of hard right Republicans expected to join the Missouri Senate. And that would be you. And a couple others, Nick, Uh, some Democrats are worried that the upper chamber's priorities will swing more to the right. And uh, one of them, Sam, uh, Kansas City, uh, State Senator Razor from Kansas City. I'm at a loss, frankly, what to do. I wish Missourians would come down and hear some of the things that are said on the Senate floor. I'm here. I'm afraid we haven't hit rock bottom. Man, do you feel bruised and beat up because you're advocating parental control of what children learn? And uh, my goodness, and maybe not letting transgender kids get transgendered. I mean, are, you know, gender confused kids getting transgendered, Nick? Really hard right stuff. You're a radical, don't you Don't know that, Nick Schroer? Well, you know, it's it's not the first time the Kansas City Red Star in the post-disgrace have, <laughs> have masqueraded as putting forth actual news and facts, but it's like you said, it's editorial section material. I think it's garbage material at best. But, yeah, you know, this is uh, what the people wanted. They wanted constitutional conservative fighters, the conservative libertarian-esque uh, legislators that are going to go into Jeff City, stop the infighting, stop the Democrats from getting win after win after win. And we have a supermajority state here in, the, in Missouri. We should be able to get the Parents' Bill of Rights done. We should be able to... Uh, Tell the CDC, look, I, I hear your recommendation on the COVID vaccine for kids going into school, but you can stick it somewhere else. It's not happening here in the state of Missouri. That's going to happen this year. And, and you know, these Democrats that are up in arms about what to do, look, do what the people sent you there to do. Work with us so we can actually uh, deal with policy that's going to help the people of Missouri. So, you know, if it happens to be conservative issues like the heartbeat bill that I passed in, in 2019 or tax cuts like we just did in the special session, so be it. The people of Missouri spoke loud and clear in these primaries by picking the constitutional fighters like Ron DeSantis, Kerry Lake, and Trump-style legislators here in Missouri. Yeah, I, uh, I'm buoyed by some of the momentum I'm seeing uh, nationally. I mean, I think that certainly when we look around the state here, it seems as though your your race is, uh, you know, from what I can tell, uh, looking very, very good. Uh, we have, uh, you know, others around the state who I think are going to move uh, the Senate even more now towards, I, I don't think it's hard right. I think it's what used to be the center, <laughs> maybe center right, right? And uh, it's funny how it's painted in liberal media circles. Um, but even across the the fruited plains and beyond we're seeing uh we're seeing you know races that that uh, previously were not even thought to be you know in in the in the running all the way from oregon to new york state now with the governor there and uh it's looking pretty good for a return to some common sense conservatism isn't it yeah doc you hit the nail on the head uh these these states that we're seeing oregon i think they last elected a republican governor in the 80s 
New York, you've seen how, how crazy they've gone. But yeah, this is a return to more of the center-right mentality. And the people have seen what these extreme left-wing Marxist-style policies have done. They've produced uh, record crime in many areas. Now you have here in the, in the city of St. Louis and Kansas City, those same types of, of far-left politicians, far-left leaders, uh, just killing these areas. You've seen the, the Soros prosecutor, Kim Gardner, and what she's done with crime. And that's why crime is number one. It's not the abortion issue that has gone way down the list on the priorities. You know, we're looking at the, the rising gas prices, supply chain issues, uh, economy in and of itself. Uh, many experts now, even on Biden's team, are saying that a recession is imminent. A 100% chance a recession is going to hit us. We're looking at the, the conflict overseas. Those are the issues why people are starting to focus on, okay, the, you know, like like the old adages, are you better off two years uh, two years ago versus now? No, we're not. We're we're in uh, dire straits right now, and it's time to actually bring the parents back to the kids' table, clean house, and start fresh by acting like adults. And I think you know, Carrie Lake, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, all of these different races where we thought maybe we didn't have a shot. E- even here locally, we've got uh, Dr. George Haruza running against. Uh, a Democrat who worked for Planned Parenthood, worked for the National Abortion Rights Advocates. Uh, you know, you, you've got the Democrats who are trying to say, look, we're moderate. We're No, you're extremists. You're far left wing mm-hmm. radicals. And now the, the Republicans that are coming forward would have been uh, followers of JFK 20, 30 years ago. But they just so happen to be a Republican today because the left keeps calling us extreme. You're right. And uh, speaking of that Haruza race and uh, the opponent's, uh, you know, history with Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood is shifting their business model a little, little bit now to uh, <laughs> especially in those jurisdictions where uh, they can't do abortions anymore to pad their coffers. Um, they're uh, they're now getting into the transgender uh, transformation business, aren't they? Yeah. You know, that that's scary. Uh, the other thing to look out for is Planned Parenthood. We've seen it across the United States. Uh, and I've worked with some uh, incredible people like uh, Bridget Van Means down at Thrive to try and combat this. You know, the, these pregnancy resource centers are actually uh, expanding healthcare options, free healthcare options for many women. But instead, Planned Parenthood is coming in saying, okay, we know we can't do the abortions now because House Bill 126 and uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt put an end to that. So what we're going to do is mail order, mail order these abortion pills. And we've actually seen the complications. And, and Doc, you would know the complications with these abortion pills in many instances are much higher than going into the actual facility and having a uh, physical abortion. So these, these these abortion pills by mail, that's something that we're going to have to deal with in this next session before it complicates many people's lives even further. Yeah, that's going to be a sticky wicket. There's no doubt about that. And I think, um, you know, I do have some I do have some concerns about, you know, how if there is any kind of accommodation or moderation that should be. And we've talked about it, some reforms that need to be done in that bill. And you, I think, have appropriately said, yeah, there probably needs to be a little refinement to protect docs from terminating pregnancies. For instance, a miscarriage that's in progress and not being accused by some rogue Democrat prosecutor of, you know, doing an abortion and basically doing a jujitsu move. So we'll have to think about that. Um, What do you what do you say about the criticism? And it was mentioned in the Kansas City Star that, um, you know, uh, this was they were putting they were being presumptuous and saying that it was the wish of you and others on the uh, in the conservative side that uh, you'd want to see women imprisoned if they, uh, you know, arrested if they uh, went out of state and got an abortion. Where do you think that whole um, that whole argument's going to go? 
Well, I think it's going to go right in the trash, like many of their uh, their positions at the Kansas City Red Star or Post Disgrace. You know, these are things that they're trying to stoke fear. Um, I don't know any legislator that has said we need to arrest women uh, and put them in prison, face criminal charges for receiving an abortion. Um, you know, that's why we've expanded the ability for them to have actual options and, and expanding the tax care, the tax credits that are allowed for people to donate to pregnancy resource centers. That's why we've seen um, Thrive. Thrive STL has expanded not only in Missouri, but across America. And they're actually offering health care services and uh, actual options, actual choice. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't see any legislator. And in fact, when we went back to 2019, the five legislators that are coming from the House that won their primaries, hopefully joining us uh, in the Missouri Senate, all of us spoke against the Democrats' position, saying, "Well, you all just want to, you know, have these women go to prison, uh, lock them up if they're going to receive an abortion." And we all came forth and said, "Look, this chicken little argument." It's nothing but moot. It's nothing but a red herring to try to distract us from the actual issue of what we were trying to uh, to deal with that day. Right. That's exactly what the Kansas City Star is doing. They're they're retracing their steps with failed attack ads and failed attack uh, positions. So yeah, I think you know once we start twenty twenty three, the people of Missouri are going to see us attack crime, attack uh, the, these parents. Bill of Rights issues uh, attacking the CDC, trying to delve in and say what uh, type of COVID shot our kid must have. There's so many different policies we're going to be addressing. Putting women in prison for uh, receiving an abortion or receiving any type of care, that is not going to happen. And I don't I don't see it ever happening in the state of Missouri. It's sloppy journalism. The uh, the journalist who did this article said that they, they quoted State Senator Lauren Arthur from Kansas City saying, I think you can look at the new members who are joining us. And you were mentioned in this article as one of those radical right members <laughs> from the House. Yeah. And you can look at the kinds of bills they filed, things like throwing women in jail for crossing state lines to get an abortion or some of the book censorship and book bans we've seen. They want to eliminate the corporate tax. I'll just say I don't like the look of this. All right, let's talk about book bans. So I wonder if so, and, and, and the journal should have pushed back and said, uh, can you say, can you quote where uh, Representative Schroer or others have said that's what they intend? And of course, that was sloppy journalism because she didn't push yeah. back. What about book bans? What about book censorship? I mean, you know, the libertarian in me says, well, we shouldn't censor books. Um, I'll throw you a high hanging curve there, Nick Schroer. Uh, what, what about book bans and um, where do we draw the line? Yeah, so looking at book bans, uh, it's another thing that the Democrats have tried to uh, insinuate that we're doing in this year myself when I was in the House and Rick Bratton, the senator, uh, came forth, had some language that we actually sent to the governor's desk. And it was it, it was more of a look, we're going to take a piece of the pie rather than the whole thing, because we're trying to address these X rated books that are being given to uh, children in elementary school and high school available in their libraries. These are very uh, and you can just search it right now because it's a, it's a hot topic, uh, but we're just trying to take it out of uh, the, the libraries until the you are of a certain age. And, you know, we're, we're talking sexual pictures that are in here, um, some of this gender goofiness. And I, I'm one that says that gender is something that's made up. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about sexual 
the sexuality, not gender identity. But yeah, these are books. They're not being banned. You can still uh, buy them on Amazon. You can still buy them in a library. You can go to Barnes and Noble and get them. But using our taxpayer dollars to provide uh, porn and X-rated materials to six, seven, eight-year-olds, that's not going to happen on my watch. But, you know, conversely, if we are going to go that route, if the the House and the Senate come together and say, no, we'd rather have, you know, this this X-rated material, this inappropriate material available to kids in their school libraries, even when the parents are not allowing them to have it, then we need to have a discussion on the one book that is being banned across the state of Missouri, across every (laughs) state in the nation, and that is the Bible. If we're going to allow this X-rated material to be available to the kids, why not allow them to see the one book and have access to the one book that is being banned in these schools? And that is the good book, the Bible. Yeah, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I mean, I guess there's an argument to be said that even if there wasn't a statewide ban, certainly each individual school district ought to be able to make that determination based on the parental input and through their voting and through their advocacy at, at uh, you know, uh, director meetings. So uh, there's a lot of uh, I, th- I think there's a lot of, of ground to be gained there because our children do not need to be groomed. They do not need to be indoctrinated. That's a parental uh, responsibility in terms of uh, those those beliefs. Uh, finally, what about the whole uh, involvement, uh, transgender involvement in women's sports, predominantly it's it's males transitioning to uh, to women's, uh, it can go the other way. But I mean, that's where tremendous advantages accrue for a, a, a guy, even if they've received uh, male uh, female hormones for some time. We highlighted that earlier in the show. The studies are clear. They have an advantage. Um, is there a place for a for an open category or a mandatory? Hey, if you're a trans, you're going to compete in the in the trans league. Well, where do you stand on this? Well, you know, you can look no further than the uh, the news clips from this past week, where there was a a biological male who's identifying as a female in a volleyball league that very you know hit this super hard ball, spiked the ball, mm-hmm. uh, bounced off a biological female's head. Uh, and and she's, she's out of the, the game right now. She's out of the, the tournament. So she's been injured. Uh, you can look at the, the mixed martial arts instances, so many other instances where we can see, yes, biological males have an advantage, bigger, faster, stronger in many uh, arenas. But, yeah, this is a, the situation where the Senate last year uh, was unable to, and I wasn't in the Senate at the time, I was in the House, uh, and the House did pass forth uh, a resolution, pass forth a measure that would take care of this. The Senate uh, had a lot of infighting between Republicans, and I think just communicating with some of these uh, Republicans that were accused of not supporting uh, a prohibition on biological males and women's sports, it came down to a misunderstanding. They thought certain individuals were trying to sabotage a bill. Look, let's get back to the, the old adage of working for the people, working, advocating for the people as we are legislators, and that's where I think in 2023, talking to many of these legislators that uh, voted against prohibiting males from uh, competing in women's sports. I think this year we're going to see a different tone from them as uh, as a miscommunication in the Senate before we have new leadership coming in there. Those, those radical Republicans that you just mentioned that the Kansas city star is kind of targeted. We are going to be the voice of reason. We are going to address this issue. And I can guarantee you this. I've had talks with the governor. He's wanting to see a bill on his desk early in 2023 that deals with this to protect the integrity of women's sports, to protect the safety of our girls in women's sports and to prioritize what women want. No woman wants a, a man coming into her locker room and competing with her. Well, I have to tell you, the way I interpret a quote from 
Well, the, the presumptive uh, Senate leader, uh, Caleb Rowden, who was viewed as um, by some on the, you know, on the on the more um, consistently uh, right uh, end of the spectrum, the conservative caucus, if you will, that was dissolved uh, after the regular session. Um, it seems as though he has taken that olive branch and indicated that he's uh, forward for moving on in the in the Kansas City Star article that I mentioned. Uh, he was quoted as saying, uh, we had some stuff outlying at the end of last year we wanted to get done that we couldn't. We're going to deal with curriculum accountability and CRT. We're going to deal with the transgender issue. I'm getting a sense that the uh, some of the tension and the the uh, divide uh, among Republicans last uh, last year will I, th- I think there's going to be an effort on both sides to come together and have a strong conservative consensus. Is that a is that a reading of the tea leaves? that's accurate. Yeah, absolutely. You don't you don't need to be a doctor uh, to, to kind of see that. And all of the the bad stuff that we saw last year, all of the infighting, I think that's going to dissolve. I think with the uh, conservative caucus being absorbed into the Republican Party and for crying out loud, yeah, you've got five members coming over from the House that have seen the dysfunction in the Senate. We are massively conservative. I rank number one by CPAC terms for the most conservative out of the House. So it is going to be a more conservative Senate, more conservative Republican Party. And yeah, and talking to Caleb Rowden, if he is the one to lead the Senate, He's had uh, assurances to myself and many others that, yeah, we are going to deal with the Parents' Bill of Rights, school choice issues. We are going to deal with uh, women's safety in sports. So I I think we are going to see a a more compact team effort with this Republican Party in the Senate. And that's only going to benefit the people of Missouri who did not want to see Republicans fight with each other. They wanted to see Republicans produce, listen to the voters back at home, go down there, produce, cut taxes, deal with crime, protect parents. And that's exactly what the governor, uh, when he saw the end of session this past year, he thought there was going to be a bill on his desk dealing with these issues. He has even come forth saying, look, let's take this together. Let's let's okay. take this state in a more conservative uh, direction and let's do it together. That's going to be what's happening in 2023. And I have no doubt that uh, representative soon to be senator. Nick Schroer will be leading a lot of that movement and uh, several of those issues forward. Nick, thanks for being with me. I really appreciate it. I know you got to get back on the trail uh, as things wind down. All the best to you as the campaign winds up. And uh, we look forward to checking with you again, if not before, after you are the uh, Senate-elect from the 2nd District. Oh, yeah. Senator-elect. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, thanks, Nick. Have a good rest of the day. You too. God bless you all. All right. Same to you, Nick Shore. And um, we wish him very, very well and hope that indeed all of the things that he has predicted will come true. You can learn more about him, of course, on NickShore.com and uh, on Twitter as well. When we come back, we're going to do a little, uh, shall I say, we're going to do some pole dancing. That doesn't sound right, does it, Zach? <laughs> we'll take a look. We'll see how some, that goes. Do, that doesn't sound right. Let's do some, let's do some uh, sweep of the polls. We'll look at the real cl- clear politics averages and break down some of the individual polls as well uh, here on the Randy Tober Show. And Nick, uh, not Nick, but uh, John Tamney joins us at 845 to talk about his new book, Money Confusion, and some of the unorthodox approaches he has to where this economy is, where it's going, and cryptocurrency in particular. More coming up on the Tobler Show here on News Talk STL 101.9941.
829. Coming close to 830. Boy, we're rolling along here and the show is going by too quickly. If you want to weigh in, we've got uh, this segment for phone calls, 314-912-1019. If you'd like to weigh in on your prognostication regarding the upcoming midterms, what are you hearing from your independent friends, your your swing voter friends, which is really a, a very large swath of the electorate and or the one that makes a huge difference, of course, in every election. It's said that in the midterms, the bases have more influence than in a presidential because they are more likely to less likely to sit out than independents. Although in uh, the latest, uh, I guess it was I think it was a CBS uh, news poll that I saw um, very extensive poll uh the, the enthusiasm component on both sides was good, but it's interesting if this was of registered voters and only 71 percent, they would definitely vote. Another 14 percent said they were likely to vote. That left 15 percent that wouldn't vote. They were unlikely to vote, which I thought was amazing. But that's still pretty good numbers and probably better than most midterms as people are motivated on both sides. Certainly, I think while the Dobbs decision may have um, given the advantage to a pro-abortion um, advocates, and uh, voters. Certainly it lighted the fire for a lot of us on the conservative side as well, who want to return it to a small R Republican format when it comes to those kinds of decisions. Now, uh, as we look at the real clear politics polls, uh, the trending uh, in terms of the generic ballot, congressional ballot is very interesting. You know, it was uh, up until uh, late spring, early summer, uh, if you looked at the average of the real clear politics, which is probably a pretty good barometer of where people are at, to the extent that Trump and MAGA voters are answering polls, that's an interesting question in and of itself. Many people tell me they're not answering the polls. Um, uh, but the Democrats were leading. Uh, the Republicans were leading until late uh, late spring, early summer. And then, of course, the Democrats took over. After that jobs decision came down, uh, things changed. Uh and, and now, though, if you look at uh, where that issue ranks in terms of voters priority list, it's low, uh, even even on Democrat side, inflation, the economy, the looming recession uh, and increasingly law and order. And I'm going to tell you a story in a minute. You just won't believe. I mean, I just uh, I just heard it during the break and I am a little bit shook, frankly, Zach, mm-hmm. from what I heard from my daughter and son-in-law uh, who were in Columbia visiting their sister uh, from uh, North Carolina. They're in from North Carolina. Harrowing story. Uh, But law and order is on the top of everyone's mind, if not the second on the list, maybe, uh, after inflation. But now, it it, it just in the last uh, couple of weeks, things have flipped. And depending on which, uh, you know, if you look at the 2022 uh, generic congressional vote, Rasmussen has Republicans up seven, Harvard-Harris up six, um, the Federalist Susquehanna, this was on October 13th, was uh, tied. And, um, you know, CBS News battleground poll. Now, this is CBS News. Last time I checked, they're not a that's not conservative broadcasting system. <laughs> now, uh, the Republicans up two. Uh, and remember, again, this factors in that a lot of folks, I think, on the right are not telling pollsters. Some of them may even be telling pollsters something else. I'm just saying, Zach. I don't mm-hmm. know. Someone I know may have done that recently. <laughs> know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just so angry at, at the polling, the, the whole, the way the questions are asked. 
that then are really used to be push poles and you expect push poles from operatives on either side, right? Mm-hmm. If, if Nick Schroer's campaign is doing a poll, obviously they're going, you would expect it, whether it's Nick or whether it's his opponent, whether it's Eric Schmidt or Trudy Bush Valentine, you expect that. But from, from, you know, self-described news organizations or polling organizations, even they are sometimes, you know, skewing these questions. And that's why a lot of um, Republicans and, and, and conservatives and libertarians are not going to answer polls. They're just not going to answer them the way they the way they would like to, you know, because they they just don't feel comfortable that uh, they're, they're going to get, um, you know, uh, represented honestly. So at any rate, um, we're going to um, we're going to continue to follow this. If you look at some of the national uh, polling, it looks as though. In the uh, Ohio Senate race, where you got Vance versus Ryan, this is according to a Signal poll. Now that's a Republican-leaning poll. Vance up by three. Uh, in uh, Georgia's second uh, district, oh here's a governor. Here's a New York Governor Zeldin versus Hochul. Uh, as recently as Thursday, uh, Hochul was up by six. But then you look at some of the more recent polls, and it looks like it's even closer than that. So things are looking pretty good. And um, uh, in terms of some serious momentum, uh, DeSantis is comfortably in place. Um, I think, uh, you know, the Republicans in the data for progress poll. This is a Democrat poll from Friday, just from yesterday. Republicans up three in the generic congressional vote. Uh, Emerson poll has them up five. So things are changing. Uh, Zach, do you have uh, do you have friends that are vocal about where they feel and if their sentiments have changed as the economy and has worsened and inflation has has uh, caught fire? Uh, not largely, maybe just a couple friends, but um, but yeah, I mean, no one's uh, real happy with it. Yeah, yeah. And have you cut back on anything just in order to buy gasoline and? You know, the essentials, because I, I certainly have. And I know there's a lot of people that have cut back on various things. Yeah, um, definitely in the grocery department, uh, you know, not mm-hmm. uh, spending so uh, uh, not spending so much on that um, and kind of deciding, you know, if I'm going to drive somewhere is, you know, do I even want to go there and use the gas for that or do I need to save the gas ah. for something else? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, really groceries and then gas itself are the only thing that I've really kind of budgeted since all this no it's it's serious yeah so you're not having prime rib and lobster more than twice or three (laughs) times a week now that's right every night yes yes yeah that's what i figured (laughs) i know when we go out we're you know i mean once in a while we like to go out and if we're going to catch the fox we'll go out and catch dinner and i may you know maybe we'll maybe we'll split an entree which we i should do anyway my Mm -hmm. wife doesn't need to but you know we'll split an entree or we'll uh, maybe you know ratchet down on uh, instead of a cocktail before dinner we'll skip that and just have a bottle of wine which maybe isn't as nice as it used to be you know we're, we're we're cutting back here and there and trying to trim it up without going austere you know you still have oh to yeah, live yeah. Life. Mm-hmm. but yeah so and this law and order issue though i'm telling you this is really rising to the top of a lot of people's minds uh with uh, with things my son and daughter son-in-law and daughter were out at an anniversary celebration in columbia last evening and i just heard during the break i mean my wife is really shook uh we heard um, got a report that they were uh in downtown columbia and they started hearing shots. Really? 
it come, coming from a car down the alley, I guess I, down the alleyway. I don't know, but they heard shots. Everyone started running. Uh-huh. My son-in-law, who's in uh, special forces training, uh, you know, was actually, you know, they were very, very concerned. So they were, they ran and, you know, mm-hmm. ran. And it's just like, I mean, this is in downtown Columbia on a Friday night. Now it's homecoming weekend, of course, and Mizzou plays Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. But boy, when it comes that, I mean, I, it's been on my mind, but this brings it even closer to my, to my, to my world. And um, I think it's touching people ever closer. That's fair to say, not just on the news streams, but people are in their neighborhoods, uh, you know, not just inner city anymore, not just in St. Louis, not just in Kansas city. You're hearing it in, 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 in venues that you wouldn't think of before. Do you, do you feel that in your mind? I mean, is it something that's on your mind? Uh, lawlessness um yeah and not i mean not so much uh you know hearing the 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 shooting or anything but um other crime that is kind of you know crept out of like you said the urban areas uh mm-hmm. you know and when it starts to hit close to home then uh yeah. you know you really start to react to it yeah and there's a, i think on a larger sociologic uh sphere it has much more to do with what the Democrats want to make it about, which is guns. Right. Yes. And it does a pathology with our young men. This mm-hmm. is a problem of young men. And I believe by extension and with, you know, root cause analysis, families and and childbearing without responsibility for child rearing. Uh, it starts earlier Kids don't just suddenly become teenagers and start shooting one another. There's something going on in the formative years, and we have to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. but Yeah, that's out of my expertise. Yeah. Okay. Well, sooner or later, you may get there. Mm-hmm. Never know. All right. Uh, we will uh, We will take a break and then come back and talk to one of my favorite people in the world, John Tamney. A controversial uh, economist. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, uh, unorthodoxy is his brand. And he's usually very prophetic and very accurate with his prognostications. The author of many books, of which I am an avid, avid consumer. And I haven't had a chance to read the recent one. We'll talk about that one, Money Confusion, with John Tamney, author and uh, editor on Real Clear Economics. Uh, Real Clear uh, Economics. So we'll be back and talk with him right after this last break on The Tobler Show. Andy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Well, it's always a real privilege and honor to talk to my good friend, John Tamney, uh, who is, of course, a prolific author, a uh, an economist extraordinaire, and a prophetic voice in the world of uh, economics in general. And uh, I've read every book, if not uh, twice, at least once and a half, but most of them twice and a half. Popular economics, who needs the Fed? The end of work, they're both wrong when politicians panicked. And now the latest one just out, money confusion. John, welcome to the program. Long time no talk. I know. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Randy. I appreciate it. 
Hey, so um, this has been a, a one of the most turbulent times that I remember in my life in terms of the economy and the anxiety with uh, you know, people struggling to make ends meet with the cost of things just going crazy um, and talk of it getting worse, not better over the winter with the, you know, heating and heating expenses up. Um, can you can you help from your perspective, diagnose what's going on? And um, maybe that is an intro into why we're here. I know you've criticized the Fed tremendously. You wrote a whole book about it. Are they responsible? Is it Joe Biden that's responsible? Was it Donald Trump and his administration and uh, the Congress and the CARES Act? What's responsible for all of this carnage? Well, yeah, this is when all the when some of the listeners get really mad at me. But I think what's responsible for this is not the Fed. I think what we're suffering the bitter fruits of is what happened in 20 and 2020 and 2021. Um, what did the Midwest teach us economically uh, roughly 100 years ago? It taught us that when specialized work, when workers can divide up work, they can make what's incredibly expensive, the automobile very cheap and accessible for everyone. And so what we learned is that the miracle of low prices is born of everyone doing what they're best at and working together. Well, so what did politicians do in 2020? They robbed us of our freedom. It was illegal to go to work. It was illegal to operate your businesses. You had politicians literally saying, if you open your business, we will shut off electricity to you. Well, so overnight you had basically hundreds of years of progress stopped and all these sophisticated relationships among workers stopped and then they gave us our freedom back. Okay. But you can't expect prices, the miracle of prices that prevailed before this hideous taking of freedom to just switch back on. It's going to take a lot of time to get back to where we were. So are prices higher? Yes. Is this inflation? No. The taking of freedom is not inflation. All right. So it's, yeah, this is all, this goes back to the basic realities of the market. And it seems like as I read and everything you write and talk to you and look at your Twitter feed and everything, it's, it appears as though that no matter what human beings in influential and authoritative position try to do, namely government officials and regulators and Congress people and presidents, um, the market ultimately will determine the outcome by because of market rules and human behavior. In the intro to your latest book, Money Confusion, you talk of you talk about monkeys and macaws and an experiment. Maybe we ought to talk about that, about support for your reality of human behavior in markets. Well, monkeys are like us in that life is about the getting, right? Uh, monkeys are trying to survive. And in monkey societies or in monkey troops, uh, there is a leader. And the leader gets to the top by exhibiting violence against other monkeys. The monkey at the top in the, in the book, in my book, is, is a female. It's, it's rare in history, but a female got to the top by beating up her mother and by beating up the toughest male in the troop. That's how you get in primitive societies. In our world, how do you get? You get rich by serving others, by meeting the needs of others, by dividing up work. And so money is this beautiful measure that allows each of us to say, I'll do this and, and I'll do this and get from you while, while you do what you do best. And so when money is 
corrupted, when its value changes, the natural way in which we humans, rather than beating each other up to get things, actually divide up work to get things and serve each other is, is, is wrecked to varying degrees. And so it's a reminder of how important money is. Money is what binds us. It allows us to work together on the way to amazing plenty. We seem to be in a time of transition from a government-defined currency, namely the dollar in America, and around the globe still, until I guess the Chinese currency becomes the dominant one, I don't know, or the crypto, but the crypto was supposed to be the darling of, of uh, you know, the, the, new, the new way to do business and to measure what the value of what we do for one another and protect uh, our transactions from the government. Lots of good said on the libertarian side of the, of the ledger for, for the crypto. And man, everyone was investing in it like crazy. I know a lot of people made a lot of money in those markets and then they lost a lot of money when the bubble popped. That's a focus of your book. Can you explain where crypto has come from and where it's going? Is it here to stay or not? Well, I think it is a natural reaction to what's true and what's described in the book. Governments, as long as they've been involved with money, have been devaluing money. And in devaluing the money we earn, they've been shrinking the value of our work. They've been taking us from us the fruits of our labor. We get less in return for our work because they, they shrink our currencies. And so crypto is a natural market response. It hasn't replaced money yet. But I think in time it's going to, and why? Because governments have always shrunk money. Whereas if Amazon issues a private currency, if Amazon shrinks your money, you'll never use Amazon again. You'll say, you robbed me, I'm not coming back to you. I'm gonna use target money from now on. And so private sector issuers of quote money, because all money is is an agreement about value among producers. There's greater odds that private money is going to push out what, what, what has failed us time and time again. The dollar is the world's currency. But even with the dollar, everyone knows that throughout time, there have been phases where our dollars have purchased less. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm one of the people, John, who feel totally ill at ease. I mean, it's like, it would be as though, you know, maybe you walking into my operating room and saying, hey, I'm going to do this C-section. That's the way I feel about cryptocurrency. And I don't know, you're so, so talented, you'd probably be able to take on a C-section right away, you know, read the book and do the section. But you know what so I mean? Well. I, a lot of us are really nervous about it and anxious. And does the book, and I've it's just out, just published. And I've, I've been looking at my Kindle edition while I await the hard copy edition that I've ordered. But, um, and I'm just into it a little bit. But do you, are you able to, to sort of de- um, demystify this and may, maybe make it feel more comfortable? Uh, is it a primer of sorts for cryptocurrency? And if not, where, how does one get comfortable with that if it's a coming thing? Well, you, you put it so well because you're so right. I can't do what you do. There's no way I could do what you do. You're specialized. And everyone in, in, a, in the modern world get, does something different, and it's beautiful. And money is what allows us to do different things. Of course, my book's a, a, a simplifier because it's not that complicated. And by that, I mean, we have supercomputers that sit in our pockets. We have all the we have buildings that go nearly a mile into the sky in parts of the world. You think a capitalist system that can do that can also create a trusted measure that will circulate as money? I mean, what is a dollar but an agreement about value? You think capitalists can improve on that? So you're right. Crypto types, just like economists, 
have made complicated what is basic. Nothing is more basic than money. And that's my argument in the book, is that let's stop over, you know, again, a capitalist system that can put an Apple iPhone in my pocket can easily put money that I will trust and that I will hand to you for medical services. And you'll say, I will take that because I know I can go to Target or Walmart and they will take it and I will get equal value for my work. See, nowadays, you don't know that you're going to get that. It's possible that the dollars I give you, it's possible that the Bitcoin I give you for your services won't be worth as much tomorrow, a week from now, or a year from now. I'm merely saying that gradually private entities are going to replace what we don't trust as much. I see. Okay, so we should keep our eye on it, and as it becomes more widespread and more and more people become comfortable both on the receiving and the giving end of those cryptos and the trading that, uh, you know, that the time will come. Uh, but, and I only have about a minute left. I can't believe where the time's gone. Is it? Are we looking eventually, though, at the potential, like, micro-economies like John Galt and Galt's Gulch, where the producers in society and all the people agree to just, you know, change goods for some kind of a, you know, agreed upon currency in some mythical place in a in a gulch in Canyon in Colorado Canyon. Um, I'm not so much worried about that. I, I think that we're going to see more and more that genius will meet the needs of greater numbers of people. Uh, my I speculation see. is merely that. Um, that private, the capitalism is going to cr- replace government money and not in some conspiracy Rockefellers are bad kind of way, but government money's failure over time was that it just didn't always hold its value and capitalists know how to fix this. And I think we've got the technology to fix it. My guess, I know we're running out of time is that that's Elon Musk's purpose with Twitter. He sees a, he sees a private money opportunity with what is a global brand. And we're going to see more of that. And that's going to be good for all, all of us right. because when money's trusted, we can specialize. I cannot wait to dig into this book this weekend. I hope everyone else picks it up. It's Money Confusion, number one new release on Amazon with my guest, John Tamney. It's always great to connect. We'll have to do it more often, John. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me, Randy. All right, John Tamney. That'll wrap it up for this edition of The Tobler Show. Remember that regardless of the travails, the challenges we see, faith, family, freedom will always return us to the greatest nation this planet's ever seen. I believe in you. I believe in America. We'll see you next time on The Tobler Show. Thanks, Zach Factor. No no problem.